0: You got all the things on because it didn't sound right. Uh, you know, I can turn you up a bit. I can turn you up a bit. Hey, Smart guy?
1: I didn't say that. I just said make sure it was where it was yesterday. Because yeah. you, know, you always seem to yeah, fuck around good. with my. Good. You, you don't never much. fuck around with your you stuff. So you always I'm fuck around to to with my stuff. Like you're some sort of like, oh, mine can't be touched. But yours, it's so funny when we I do that. See. Except nobody fucking laughs. Welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, coming to you from an undisclosed location, far from the downtown Metropolis area. I've never done the intro like that before. <laughs> far away in a land where no man dares
0: step. <laughs> I think before the show's run is done, you'll get to emphasize every word in the intro at one time, and every time it'll be different.
1: Yeah. And then people will say, you know what? These guys these guys know their shit. That is their genius. <laughs> their genius. <laughs> there was no thought whatsoever. They were lucky. That was their genius. <laughs> Today, we start a new three-episode theme on the fathers of rock and roll. There were no mothers, unfortunately, <laughs> of rock no. and roll in the 50s, except for Wanda Jackson, <laughs> but we won't be doing Wanda Jackson. Uh, not for any reason other than... You know, it was all guys. Unfortunately, the whole back purpose then.
0: of rock and roll music back then was to impress ladies, and uh, socially, ladies weren't allowed to impress ladies in that manner.
1: Listen, is this is correct? a true fact because Ronnie Hawkins, <laughs> Ronnie Hawkins said it. He said, and this is why there's very if there was no if, well, maybe one or two women in rock and roll, but almost none. Is that rock and rollers back in the fifties and early sixties were. Uh, only one notch above child molesters. <laughs> it was. It was not even a good thing for guys to do, let alone for women to do. So, anyways, we're gonna we're gonna check out about what some of the fathers of rock and roll were doing in the nineteen seventies. Not a great decade for the fathers of rock and roll, I'll tell you that much. But not all of it was mediocre. That's what I said. No, you didn't. Just about a different thing. And we will only be scratching the surface of this theme because... That's all we can do. There are many originators of rock and roll from the 50s who we will get to on later shows. I mean, I could name 10 right off the top of my head. But we can't obviously fit them on this theme, this one theme. So we will have them on later shows. And Elvis being... Of course, the one and only king of rock and roll. He will have his own 70s theme in the future. Okay, so it'll be like, uh, we'll do three albums of his or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love. Albums. I love all this. I love all. 50s is my decade of like loving everything. And there's nothing. <laughs> everything was so raw. Everything was just so. Uh, I don't know, it was just, I just love that era. The 50s is just the fucking best to me.
0: Yeah, it had to be good because there were no uh, studio tricks to cover that. Yeah, that's what I mean. It
1: was just, just, I mean, every era, it's funny how every decade, uh, because rock and roll went so fast as far as its progression. Yeah. It went from (laughs) the 50s, which is totally different from the 60s, which is different from the 70s which went worse than the 80s, but it was completely different. And then we had the glory years again in the 90s, which was totally different from every other decade. Then we hit the millennium, and all hell broke down. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> we kind of lost track. Though. Everything went to hell. I we'll get it back day. again, but we, we lost track. Lost track, bad. I'm stealing this. Thank you. Rob, Rob took my uh, blankie. <laughs> that I, uh, my lucky blankie that I, we are no longer the in the Winchester building. <laughs> <laughs> my lucky blankie. So, um, I forgot where it was because Rob was pissing me mm, off. Oh, I was driving you nuts, sir. Oh, uh, 50s, so for, today we will look at what the late great Chuck Berry was releasing in the 1970s as we review his 1979 album Rocket with an I, uh, later on in the show this by the way is the fifth straight album from 1979 we are reviewing <laughs> i noticed that which is kind of <laughs> strange now we did have one time when we had a whole bunch of albums from 1977 i i have to go back and check to see if this is the record for the most albums from albums from one year i remember we had the disco albums remember we had sad night fever and Donna summer and we had a whole bunch of albums in a row from 1977. I will check on that for next week on our uh, odds and ends. streak of the seven year. Because I know people are are just this is driving sitting me on I the edge love of their statistics. seat. statistics. Oh, yeah, they love statistics. <laughs> they want to know, yes, how many records from a particular year <laughs> have they done? How can I sleep? So, <laughs> um, a little tired. Uh, Rob, not you, no. but ah. me. As we taped an episode last night.
0: Yeah, we were crazy.
1: And then I went home. Well, Rob went home also, but Rob just went home and slept. Yeah, can't. I kind of laid on the couch with that big lump in my stomach digest. Talk like you're actually like we're actually doing the show <laughs> instead of like <laughs> <laughs> we are this. We're trying to do a professional podcast, okay? Uh, and
0: professional we have different definitions of that word yeah i know
1: (laughs) mine is wait till rob gets to the second half hour okay and then we went home and i finished the script for this episode until very late in the evening and because we have a lot of work to do in the next couple of weeks or yeah it's just because we did we would had some technical difficulties and sickness and blah blah blah. So we have a lot we of work to do. We were a little behind school. schedule. That's we a, are behind schedule, but when we finish, no, we don't. This is got. This is not true because we won't get a week off. Yeah, we will get a week off after uh, after all this is done. It seems like forever that that's happening. Because yes, you say you get weeks off like every third. No, because. It doesn't a week off doesn't constitute me being in bed <laughs> with with the flu in uh, a lot of mental and physical pain. That's, I actually want a week it. off where I don't do anything or or I do lots. I do lots of fun things. I don't want a week off where I'm just coughing up phlegm.
0: Yeah, that's not recharging the batteries. No, it's not. We need it show, actually isn't recharging. We the batteries. need you to show with your batteries charged.
1: Yeah. So See, I'm at the show. My batteries
0: are not charged right now. Look at me. I'm a mess. Yeah, you look like you look like a mess every <laughs> single week that I've known you. I'm uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. the, the Keith Richards of the show.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: See, so, yeah, he was
1: Keith Richards. I oh, I got a story about that, but not for this episode. Not for this episode. It's not a flattering Keith Richards story either. Oh, but it thing. does have to do with a segment coming up? It really does. It's funny how that segued in. We're going to get to that in a second. First, <laughs> I want to know how was your re- how was your oh, week, Jesus. Rob? And this is funny because I bet what you're going to say is very similar to what you said yesterday to me, which was broadcast on the show that we did.
0: Well, let's see. We- uh, I had a birthday. It uh, went uneventfully. Nobody Rob's birthday is, 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 is,
1: is Rob's birthday's today.
0: You know what I normally do on my birthday? I don't do any work or any, any stuff like this. <laughs> this is Rob's
1: birthday show. But I did remember Because last we're night. so
0: far behind.
1: <laughs> I'm being a trooper and I'm here today. You'd hate your birthday. Not, yeah, but I should be drinking right now. Yeah, he does like to drink on birthday. I forgot. I did remember last night, and I said I got to surprise him. That's by why saying, I was checking the phone. Shut up. By saying, <laughs> by saying, oh, right on the show, saying, oh, it is Rob's birthday, and then he'd get all mad because he doesn't like his birthday brought up. And he beat me to the punch because I forgot. <laughs> I have one of those memories that's just like, hey, remember this? And then it's gone. You're gonna have to wait till next year. <laughs> yeah. So this is Rob's birthday show, and uh, not that we're going to do anything special, because Rob would hate it.
0: No, and I was going to get some beer beforehand, but then I said, ah, the heck with that, I'll just do it later. <laughs> so it's going to be an ordinary show, uh, but
1: uh, our ordinary is always extra special. It is, because we try so hard, except for the first half hour. Except the first you half hour. We very slough hard. the first half hour. Not me.
0: Sometimes <laughs> sometimes the second half hour I'm struggling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay.
1: It's time for uh, Odds, and Odds and Ends. Lost time is not found again. And this week on Odds and Ends, we want to just go quickly over something in the news recently concerning uh, one of a big 1970s artist. That's why even though it's new news as to concern a 1970s artist, well, it consumes rock royalty, which is uh, basically the pieces of like, what the hell is going on with Eric Clapton? That's what the piece is. What is going on with Eric Clapton? And, but we're not really talking about that because we don't get into this political shit or any of that. I wanted to talk about, uh, well, is there something interesting? I read it. Very interesting article and i can't remember where it's from i'm going to uh, just see if i can bring it up here. oh from the washington post
0: oh yeah that's not a replica magazine
1: this is this is a very interesting article now it, in rolling stone in the past you'd usually with rock royalty with Jan Wenner being in charge kind of gloss over some of the ugly stuff that that artists would do uh because jan would be friends with most of the artists uh and it just was the kind of thing to do like oh they did this or led zeppelin did that it was like yeah but boys will be boys and shit like that and, and they were kind of in a way at first for the first 10 years rolling stones not rolling stone but rolling stone magazine would rake the the, the gods of rock and roll over the coals. If they released a bad album, man, they could get savaged, you know, <laughs> or what they perceived to be a bad album. But then, you know, Rolling Stone softened. As, as magazines and times change, uh, the artists that were young as, as Rolling Stone was young when it was first 10 years or whatever, they became more friends with the rock royalty, and I'm talking about like the classic rock era. Uh, I hate that. I, I just despise that phrase, but I'll use it so people know who I'm talking about. The classic rock people. And they kind of got a free pass on a whole bunch of things. And if they were going to criticize stuff, uh, Rolling Stone would criticize newer artists coming up. And that ha- that has really happened for the last 50 years. Uh, first 10 years, Rolling Stone didn't care who they savaged. And... But um, journalism in general, especially since the new millennium, has gotten very soft on everything. Uh, like you're either, you're either really fawning over your subject just to get an interview or whatever, or you're, you're just being a gossip uh, rag that's saying blah, 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 did this, and I saw blah, blah, blah do that. There is no middle ground where they're saying things. What has happened is that one of the things was soon after the 50th anniversary of Rolling Stone, uh, Jan Weiner sold Rolling Stone. And uh, I'm gonna get to this here because I want to make this to be as accurate as possible. Jan Weiner sold Rolling Stone. Now, I don't even think And he stepped down as editor-in-chief, and he put his son, uh, which was allowed. I can't remember who bought it. Oh, Penske Media bought Rolling Stone. Okay. Now, but pretty much Penske Media bought it and said, you guys can still run it. right. That was (laughs) one of the conditions. Because Rolling Stone really is Jan Wenner. I mean, that is... (laughs) that's known for like the last 50 so odd years and it's very hard to say it doesn't have anything to do with Jan Wenner so Jan put his son as president and CEO of Rolling Stone and one of the things that he has done is that he is uh now that Jan doesn't have anything I don't think to do with that he's not editor anymore is that they hired a new editor-in-chief and uh, just recently and the new editor in chief, I'm looking for the name. I'm, I'm sorry if I don't have it on me, but, uh, uh, I'm a busy guy. <laughs> um, the, the new editor in chief, Noah Shockman, who used, who had been previously been the top editor of the daily beast. Now, Noah Shockmans plan was, listen, we hold people accountable. For what they do, we're gonna be like Rolling Stone was in the first ten years. If they did something wrong, if we don't like a record, if they if if they do something wrong in public, we're not sweeping it under the rug anymore. We're going to we're going to say, hey, uh, a grape is a grape and an orange is an orange, and we're not we're not bullshitting anymore. Um, we're gonna try and make the times. We're gonna try and make it. Like it should be, which in the old days was you were held accountable for what you did. So all this shit about Eric Clapton has come out and it's not shit because it's true. <laughs> so I don't mean that it's, it's lies. I mean, I don't want to get into it too much because that's not what we do here. But there's this whole, he doesn't, he's anti-vaccine. And <laughs> oh, jeez. And, and he's telling lies about, about like, he is actually listening to, to the, the, the third media, which is not the actual media. He's listening to these quacky websites that say, you know, it's good to put Drano in your system. And I don't want to get into that because I don't want to get anybody mad, but I'm just pointing out that that's why everybody is so mad at Eric Clapton. And then Rolling Stone seized upon this idiocy from Eric Clapton and said, "You know what? Eric's not a good guy. Eric Eric has shown in the past to do have done many stupid things, and and it has kind of been put under the rug and not reported on. And we're going to bring it out. And they brought it out in an article uh, called." Uh, Eric Clapton isn't just spouting vaccine nonsense. He's bankrolling it. And he did. He banked. He paid bands or specifically one specific band who who uh, was against the vaccine. and was doing shows for Vax against the vaccine and was actually giving them money when they needed a van and shit like that. And then he was Eric Clapton was seen with the most despicable Republican uh People backstage at his concerts because they they all of course are jumping on his bandwagon and saying that the vaccine is evil and so he's seen with these people who who have who believe in other things like oh like we should uh, you know not have, I can't I don't want to get political but they don't want to give women abortions and they don't want to do this they they're they're just there's just kind of kooky thinking. I'm not saying that not giving abortions is kooky. But their thinking is very to the right wing kind of insane uh, type of thinking. And Eric has been in their company. now, And then when you dig further, you find out all this stuff about Eric's uh, racial comments in the past. Especially from a, a 1976 concert uh, that he did. Where he made extremely racist comments and has always gotten out of it by saying that he was drunk, which he was, he was extremely drunk. Of course, everybody knows that after uh, Eric kicked heroin in 1973, he started uh, on alcohol and to substitute it. And he was an alcoholic for In fact, it almost killed him in the early eighties. So he blamed it on, he was extreme. I've heard a tape, by the way, I'll get off the subject here in a sec for a second here. I got a, I got a bootleg that I got from the internet and I, I got it just, just to hear it. Cause it's like, it was supposed to be like Eric's worst show. And oh my God, it's like 1974 and he was so drunk. He came out first and he did an acoustic set of like 30 minutes and he was like uh, like singing like that I swear <laughs> to God and and you know how your voice gets raspy when you drink and it was all raspy and then, then he had to do a show after that with his band and it was just it was probably the worst show I've ever heard that's how drunk he used to get to the point of not even being able to stand up hardly and but I'm not I just wanted to divert a little bit because it's a it's a fascinating show to listen to but I have actually heard other things that I have from the past years ago that I have not been an extreme fan of Eric Clapton as a person, this other stuff. I didn't know all that much about, and I know everything about rock and roll, but this thing from 1976 was very much uh, an England things that happened in England when the concert took place, but it was so terrible. He wanted all the immigrants to leave England. Because they contributed nothing, and he was again um, aligning himself in 1976 with extreme right-wing politicians, yeah, that was the, talking um, about um, the nationalist uh, movement. Terrible, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that started a revolt, which I do know about, which the the Rock Against Racism, which started because of Eric's comments by. Uh, mostly the members of the alternative community at that time, uh, like The Clash and bands like that, who made concerts against racism because of Eric's comments. And Eric has always kind of sloughed it off. Even in his autobiography, it was kind of like, oh, you know, when you read it, it's kind of funny. And it's like, no, it's not funny. I'm sorry, but, but, but aligning yourself with fascists on your uh to vote for in elections and calling black people uh that they should be immigrated from your country amongst every other foreigner that's not (laughs) British. Wait a second.
0: Yeah you guys have visited all these other countries. Wait a second. Just saying
1: (laughs) Yeah, all of this is coming all of this is coming out and That's not really what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about was how Rolling Stone is the only one that is really holding him accountable. And Rolling Stone is starting anew, even after 54, almost 55 years, they're starting anew with like, listen, we can't treat some people some way and some people another way you are held accountable for your bad
0: behavior. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Everyone's equal, baby. Everyone is equal. You are judged by your actions and by your words, and uh, that's it.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, there may have been a time for that. You know, times have always changed for good or bad. And sometimes, you know, oh, well, you know, it's Eric, so let's kind of hide it under the closet. I know a lot of stuff that I've read that I just don't like about Eric. There's a lot of nice stuff about him. He seems like a... He seems like a nice country gentleman when you hear him talk in an interview. But I don't like him. And I'll tell you that. And I like him extremely less now than I did a couple of weeks ago when... Uh, I, I do like him in a way. Like there's a 50% Eric, which is very nice. But there's this 50% that that to me is almost... Somebody called him evil. <laughs> um and somebody called him who was a big fan of his said when he said these tirades in 1976, that I was a huge Eric fan and I was at that concert and I can't, I'd never have been able to listen to his music since. Cause I saw him, I saw Eric and I don't care if he was drunk or not. I know he was really drunk, but you don't say wrong things when you're drunk. You know what I mean? You don't say, oh, Oh, I love Hitler, hmm. when you're wrong. I'm not saying that he's... Rob, I just want to say, I just want to say before you say this, I'm not saying he said, I love Hitler. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you get really drunk, you don't say things you don't mean. You say, no, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Is the
0: alcohol brings out the things that you keep hidden.
1: Exactly. You go on. I'm sorry.
0: That's what I was saying. Is yeah, the alcohol brings out things that you keep hidden.
1: That you keep hidden. You like I said, you don't all of a sudden. If you hate Hitler, all of a sudden you don't get drunk and say, "I love Hitler. We should go party." Have you I don't. mentioned? Have I
0: mentioned how there are certain people in my life I won't be drunk around ever,
1: <laughs> ever? So I just wanted to bring that up. I didn't want to. I don't want to go too heavy on this but uh oh yeah this article was fascinating if you can find it on the washington post i recommend it because another one was the fascinating interview which i also read in rolling stone with lindsey buckingham i like lindsey buckingham i know sometimes people think he's too serious and he can be directorial or dictatorial in in fleetwood mac But he got, everybody knows he got kicked out of Fleetwood Mac because Stevie Nicks said either him or me, right? And I can't be on stage with him anymore, blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, Lindsay's album has just been released in the last month or so, probably when you hear it this two months or about. And so Lindsay did a bunch of interviews and he did an interview with uh, Rolling Stone and Rolling uh, in Rolling Stone and they, they printed it like sometimes they won't print in the past. They wouldn't print something if they said really something really stupid to protect them. But Lindsay said, hey, he compared Stevie Nicks to Trump and his former Fleetwood Mac bandmates to timid Republicans. Uh, now, when you compare somebody to Donald Trump, <laughs> it's pretty uh, you're not trying to get on their good side. And it's just, I I just applaud that. I applaud that, hey, if you say that in an interview, I'm not going to hide it. And I really applaud the the new direction that Rolling Stone is taking in saying nobody gets a free pass anymore. If you do something bad, we're going to report it. It's going to end up. And Uh it proves my point that what we've been saying about Good music always finds its time and it always finds its day. It may take five years. It may take 50 years, but eventually a good album will always surface, uh, eventually. I also believe very much that the truth comes out eventually. Sometimes it comes out in a person's lifetime. Sometimes we are finding it's a lot of bad things. Are coming out after people have been dead many, many years, unfortunately. Uh, but that's why I want people finding out the bad things about me after I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> after I'm dead, yeah. Who cares when you're dead? Yeah. But I, I i almost thought that Eric Clapton would not be held accountable for the things that I had read about, the things I didn't really like that he had done in the past. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of happy. Even though I like Eric Clapton in so many ways, uh, he's not hes yeah. not an evil person like some people have said. But I think he has extremely strange uh, notions. I think he listens to a lot of things he shouldn't listen to and gets, you know. And I didn't think he'd be held accountable in this lifetime for what he did. Because he just seemed to get a pass on everything. Because... He does act like the nice country gentleman and when he talks, he acts like a real English gentleman, but you know what I firmly believe just like in good things do come to the surface eventually bad things also can never be completely hidden and uh, you get your comeuppance sometimes you're alive when you get your comeuppance like Eric is getting right now sometimes it happens when you're dead, but The truth always eventually comes out. And I applaud Rolling Stone for what they're doing. Spent a long time on this. A lot more than I wanted to. But it's an important issue about... You know, I'm not a big fan of... As Rob knows. Rob and I are not a big fan of cancel culture. Because don't cancel anything. Just remember what they did. (laughs) And if you're going to find out something bad about somebody... Find out about the good things too. Because you can't have... One person just being painted as an asshole. If nobody talks... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. What were you you saying?
0: If nobody talks
1: about it, then uh, maybe we can make it not exist anymore. Exactly. No, (laughs) I'm glad you said that because it's true. Cancel culture. Uh, We were talking about how the whole thing of... We were just talking about this yesterday. How that whole thing of canceling the past was what the book 1984 was about. It was about creating what the people then at the time in 1984 with big brother wanted the people to know and that's what i think is happening now is that people aren't di- divesting enough energy in finding all about the person they're just going for one thing and they're not you you could g- get a guy who was into slavery or anything but you could find out hey you know what no matter how wrong it is everybody did at that time and if he didn't do it he would have been. I'm not. I'm not no, advocating no. It. it. I'm just talking about the times.
0: The culture you're in uh, puts a whole lot of pressure on. Uh, yes. What you do or have to do.
1: So you the, may hate doing it, yeah. but if everybody else is doing it, they won't sell things to you. They won't talk to you anymore. Uh, your business could go under, as in, you know, if you have a plantation, all of a sudden they don't buy from you. Yeah. Like you don't know. You're not in that cult. You're not in that culture. You're not in. 1852.
0: I'm in in this culture and it's weird enough.
1: (laughs) I know you have to. Every culture is weird. Every time is weird. You have to be in that culture to judge somebody. I'm sorry. You do. You can't get all the facts from a book. You can't on people that have disappeared. So you can't judge them. You can say, "Hey, I don't like that." uh, That he had slaves. But you cannot also say I totally want to cancel this person because of that, because you don't know. Maybe he yeah. was a great person who just had to do this thing.
0: The problem I have with, the, with canceling it is, is the, it's a part of history, and yeah, you deny it exists uh, that, or that it did exist. Trying to erase that, uh, you
1: kind of erase history, and uh, that's very 1984-like. History is kind of, of important. Yes, everything that's happened. It's the thing happened, you got
0: to learn from to move forward. You take Rob, it that's
1: exactly the point. You learn from the good and the bad from yes. the past, and you don't <laughs> cancel people, and you don't do this or that. And it's the it's it's the same thing with like you don't play their music. Well, music, yeah, a terrible person like R. Kelly, who is it? Admittedly, a terrible person, but. It, you still have his music out there if you want to buy it. Mein Kampf is still being sold. Mein Kampf I'm, is still being I, sold, I, and Hitler is the worst person that walked this I, earth, and yet they're still selling Mein Kampf, and yet they say, no, don't put on R. Kelly on the on the streaming surfaces. Like I actually <laughs> agree. I actually agree. Hey, listen, if if as deplorable a book as Mein Kampf is, and it is, it's as terrible a book yeah. as you can get, it's, you still gosh. should have the right to know what Hitler was thinking and to buy it and to think how twisted he was. Just like you have a right yes. to buy anything. Nothing you should you've be got censored.
0: To have uh, an opportunity to learn about that part of history. You can't yes. take that away.
1: Yes, exactly. And when you cancel it, it's wrong. It is. It is inherently wrong. And I don't think this generation understands yet. I really don't think they do. I think they will, but right now, they think they're doing right and they're doing exactly <laughs> the wrong thing. And I'm not saying people should not be held accountable for what they do. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is there's a lot more to a person, like let's just say, than what he did as an 18-year-old. Yeah. Or, God, if they, if they found out some of the things I did as an 18-year-old and I consider myself a really good guy... They would roast me. They'd maybe say, Oh, you can't do this show. You can't, we don't, we're not gonna, we're not gonna want you to do this show. And I said, I was fucking 18. (laughs) I didn't know shit. (laughs) At what point do you know when someone has changed and is not exactly nobody knows? That's why you shouldn't judge people unless you really know them and have talked to them. And then you say, I know this person, I've spent so much time with them. People are being judged from 150 years ago when nobody's around. (laughs) you You know, it's just ridiculous. Anyways. We really got into this more than I wanted to, but I'm glad we did because it was important and we will come back to this on because I know that this Eric Clapton situation is not over with and just one quick point what were we talking about, especially what Rob said. There's a lot of good things about Eric Clapton. And I said, I Hmm. like 50% of Eric Clapton. There's no 100% bad guy.
0: The dilemma I was thinking of when you were talking about this, I was thinking of um, um, of Bill Cosby. I still love his humor. Yeah, (laughs) I still laugh my ass off. See, and then they don't (laughs) want to
1: sell his records. And that, to me, is Nazism. When you say, listen, we're not going to sell your records because we don't like you. And you did bad and you things. You have done a wrong thing. Yes. And you are, there is no redeeming you. Exactly. And you shall be vilified. Can you set. That's the biggest question we have had for at least the start of the 20th century, which is can you separate the art and the artist? Yeah. That is and interesting. And it's a question that some people can answer right away. And then there's some people like me who say sometimes yes and sometimes no. I. I have that feeling like with a person like Charles Manson, I can't listen to Charles Manson's music. I, you know, I just, I just feel that it's, it's wrong, but I can change <laughs> <You know? laughs> about somebody else. So I don't think it's a yes or no answer. I just think you have to give it a lot of thought and it's up to the individual, but the individual should not be making decisions for the whole. That's the point. Three or four people should not be making decisions for These 400. Little, say little echo
0: chambers of people expressing their disgust and what ought to be done. Yes, I mean I love the uh, one of my favorite things, which is one of the most evil things, is is politics, the art of people controlling other people. I mean, what is done by the, uh, the elected officials who you appoint for that? Uh, I mean that that's the thing you appoint a coach on the team, but. I'm hearing it from lots of people, strong, venomous words on how other people ought to live and what they ought to
1: do. And That's what people are talking about <sighs> nowadays. They don't want you to do this. They don't want you to do that. They don't want you to say, and this is happening with, uh, see, we're getting on, I will, we're not going to do my top 50 again, my top 30 songs <laughs> again. It will get pushed back because we don't have enough time and I'm just going to give Five more minutes to this because we're kind of running out of time, but um, what were we talking about? Oh, how to live. Uh, yes. There are people that now like want to cancel you or just want to boycott you because, especially happening with with uh, comedians about jokes. They're just jokes. They're not meant to 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 personify real life. Yeah. They're just meant to make you laugh. Yet, if you tell a certain joke nowadays. They say boycott him. So that's the thing that bugged me about the uh, the Andrew Dice Clay. When he went on
0: stage, he put on a character.
1: Yeah,
0: and they, 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 that's not the character he was off stage. When people said, that, "Well, he can't be doing that because this character he's presenting is wrong and uh, teaches kids bad things," and it, the people with no sense of humor
1: ought to be shot. Just line no, up. And I shoot agree, them. as Mick Jagger once said, <laughs> and I quoted this. I quoted this before when we reviewed. Is it our our second show? On our second show, I said this, and it has stuck with me for 10, 20, 30, 40, 45 years. When I read in Rolling Stone, there was that big kerfuffle about some girls and about uh, what Mick had said about black girls. Oh, yeah. And they they (laughs) were protesting him. Even back then in the 70s, they were protesting that. And Mick said something that I've always stuck with me if you can't take a joke fuck off (laughs) and i i still stick with that i you know and and i i just feel so bad for for these comedians who thrive on people's mistakes Mm -hmm. or thrive on ethnicities and you can't use an italian accent because it's stereotypical yes because they actually most of them talk like that (laughs) (laughs) or else we wouldn't have done it in the first place yeah, there are some stereotypes that are wrong and bad, but I think people know which ones are wrong. And even if yeah. you use those bad stereotypes in a, in a comic uh, stand-up, I think you know that it's a comic stand-up and it's not supposed to be real. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, you're making fun of something. <laughs> There's absurdity involved. Yes. Oh, so we could go... Me and Rob talk about this and all the time. We could go on for this hours. We can't. And just everyone else laughing and are horrified. Oh, they're laughing for the wrong reasons. And this really hits home for us because we have a no um, censorship policy, which is nothing should be censored that we do because we have no ill intent towards anything. We really don't. When we make a joke, (laughs) we have no ill intent towards anything. So um, we don't think that everything should be out in the public and you judge it good or bad. Nothing should be censored. Words are now being censored. Lenny Bruce went to prison and and gave up his life so that we could say certain words in certain situations. And now they're trying to reverse all that Lenny Bruce has done by saying, you can't say this word and you can't say that word. But we can learn from saying these words on what not to do. And you can turn that word around. Like, I'm not even gonna say it because people are gonna get pissed off, but the N word. If you can turn that N-word around and make it positive in some way, don't obliterate it. Let people know that that was a bad word. Don't cancel it.
0: Are you my nigga?
1: (laughs) That's a turning around of the word. right? That's a turning around of the word. That's what we're saying. Are you my friend? Are you loyal to me? This is one of our most (laughs) passionate subjects because me and Rob were on about this all the time because that's our careers is saying stuff either through music or what we're doing here. And when people say, I've had people say, I've been offended by what you say. And I said, we mean absolutely no humor. And if you found something offensive in our joke, then I think there's something wrong with, you're a little bit too touchy. As Clint Eastwood says, just not too long ago, a couple of years ago, he said, everybody's way too touchy, man. (laughs) (laughs) As
0: far as I'm concerned, when it comes to political correctness, if you're telling the speaker what he's saying, uh, as opposed to what he's actually saying, if you're telling him, uh, you know, this word you use actually means this. And uh, what that means is uh, this is uh, the way you are. Um, the, the fault lies with the listener, not with the speaker. Exactly. To perceive a thing that is not there. And yeah, I turn my back on people like that and walk away. Yeah.
1: Trust me, this isn't over what we're talking about. Uh, it's just beginning actually, but uh, we have to move on. We're we really We do,
0: yeah. That yeah, was too far. Very we got far behind. Here. That was ridiculous. We can't do that again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so, we're going to talk about uh, Chuck Berry today, and we're going to review his 1979 album, I Luck like It. And uh, interestingly, this, his album, rocket was his last album that a studio album that was released in his lifetime his last album simply called chuck was actually announced by the time it was announced that it was going to be released and the time it was released unfortunately chuck passed away so this is actually the last album that he recorded uh in his lifetime and uh, sorry was released in his lifetime and uh it was only about uh i don't know 40 years until he decided to release a follow-up he kind of decided that i you know i have my songs i've done i've done i've the songs i'm playing are the songs i want to play for my fans and they're you know they're what they are and i don't need to write any new songs i don't feel any thrill writing the new songs anymore so that's why he gave it up after he recorded this album. And I, I understand a, a, an artist has a right to make any choice he wants to make. That he feels is yeah, right for himself. and you
0: don't want him doing stuff he doesn't want to do.
1: Exactly. You write a song because you don't want to write a song. Okay, but it's going to sound crappy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's get this over with.
1: Everybody knows Chuck Berry. He's, he's one of the greats. He's he's like right up there on, on the, the Mount Olympus of rock and roll. I mean, rock and roll, guitar... Is Chuck Berry rock and roll songwriting? Is Chuck Berry the Duck Walk? The Duck Walk showmanship is, uh, you know, I love all the guys in the fifties. I really do. I'm not. I am so impar. I am so impartial to the fifties music because these guys were risking their lives making a music that that adults hated. They were threatened for, especially a black person making these types of this type of music in the fifties was dangerous. And yet they love the music so much uh, that they didn't care if they were risking their lives and they, they performed it all their lives. And and I just think the music is so raw and it's so cool. And there's the they're all kind of young punks. All these guys from the 50s, even with the clean cut image like Ricky Nelson, was still like a young punk. You know, <laughs> know what I mean? And Chuck Berry, again, Chuck Berry was not the nicest person in the world And he made many mistakes, which we're not going to get into. But some of those mistakes were also done to him. And he was arrested for reasons that were very iffy and put in jail for reasons that were very iffy. And they always say that when Chuck Berry was released from jail his first time, I'm not going to look up all the dates. There's just just too much. If you want to talk about Chuck Berry, I I have to get like three shows. So I'm going to just be very swift about this and get to the album. But uh, they say that the Chuck Berry who went into jail for a very flimsy uh, reason in the late 50s, when he came back out, he was not the same person because of the way he was treated. He, to be honest with you, he turned into kind of a son of a bitch. And, uh, you know, it can happen to you. But you also there's also people that go to jail and come out being treated badly and don't come out son of a bitches. So that's part of your problem, too. Um, I'm just saying he wasn't treated right and he didn't treat a lot of other people right. That doesn't take away from the absolute brilliance of his music. My Lord, <laughs> I could go on and on about his past music, uh, Maybelline and you never can tell. And oh my God, on and on,
0: on my
1: Ro- reeling and a rocking gave the Rolling Stones their name. Well, that was Muddy Waters. But the very first Rolling Stones song was a Chuck Berry song, Come On. Uh, Sweet Little Sixteen. My God. <laughs> Johnny Be Good, maybe the Johnny B. guitar playing rock on, and roll song.
0: Um, put that on the um, uh, disc that they put on uh, one of the Voyager uh, satellites and sent out into the, uh, the solar system.
1: Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, I just read that as we were just getting ready to do the show and I forgot... <laughs> I actually forgot what actual song you may be right. I, I I could look it up real quick here, but I don't think I'd find it. Cause Might have because that, trust uh, me uh, when you I'm did looking roll over up, Beethoven too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. roll over, yes, roll over Beethoven, God, which I
0: knew the EO version. That's how I became familiar with.
1: And Johnny Johnson also on piano, yes, uh, was, he was magnificent <laughs> and gave Chuck a lot of those riffs. He played them on piano, and Chuck transposed them uh, to the guitar. That's where you get most of those rock and roll riffs are from johnny johnson's unbelievable piano work anyways they laid the foundation the lyrics, along with everybody else in the 50s who i admire like you wouldn't believe chuck berry as is, is is like he, he was the whole package he had he had the singing he had the attitude he had the guitar flashy playing, guitar
0: playing flashy
1: guitar playing before there was flashy guitar playing and the songwriting—he wrote the songs. Did he, he wrote the lyrics too? Didn't he?
0: Oh, just, I love the lyrics.
1: Just amazing <laughs> lyricist. In Chuck fact, Mary's I lyricist. would say other than Dylan, the best lyricist in rock and roll. They
0: I think. grab you. This is not like any album I've heard in about the past ten albums, as far as lyrics. These just—they're uh, not like really um, earth-shaking topics, but uh, the way he writes. It grabs your attention. It tells a story in a a manner that uh, doesn't make you angry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, He's good. That's basically basically his whole career. That's basically like Chuck Berry's, this album, uh, is very reminiscent of his whole career. Now, one thing I should point out before we review the album, which we're going to do in a minute, is that especially the 70s were not a good time. For the, uh, for for the fathers of rock and roll, they and but you have to understand that albums in general were not a forte of anybody except for Elvis. Elvis was always the exception to the rule, but for you know, albums were not all you know. There's very few classic albums by. It's always the singles and the songs yeah. by the artist or the greatest hits albums. Everybody goes, oh yeah, I love Chuck Berry's like 28 Golden Hits or whatever and uh so when they went into that decade of the 60s and especially the 70s which was an album decade uh most of them did not do well because they they weren't uh it just wasn't what they were brought up in. they were brought up for the single the single single the songs and you had filler
0: (laughs) yes the album was a new thing and uh you know, you spend so many years doing singles, you can kind of see it as a, maybe this is a fad that'll pass, or it's just uh, something that's not for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't the the public, which is the record people. I shouldn't say the public. The record people always thought that you know rock and roll would would pass and. You know, we need albums and just fill it out. You know, put on the five songs that we want that we're going to release as singles, and and they wanted albums fast. too. we can't get into all this, so I got to be really quick. <laughs> but yeah, but they always wanted like three albums a year, blah blah blah. So you know, there's going to be a lot of filler on it, and you know, most of the albums are not going to be classics because yeah, that's they're just not, not the, putting the way the they time thought.
0: into them. They're just recording some songs and sending out and attaching the name to it. Exactly.
1: So that kind of came by the. Uh, 70s, uh, with Chuck Berry, we'll be more specific and talk about Chuck Berry. His albums were always good, but they were never great in the 70s. Um, and then Rocket came out. Rocket uh, came out in 1970, and like I said, his last album for 10, 20, 30, 40, 38 years. Studio album. So this was really his... Swan song because his last album, Chuck, I mean, it was recorded over twenty years or whatever, whenever he felt like he had a song. So it wasn't re- This was his last album where he wrote a bunch of songs for the album. And then recorded the album. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And um there's uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um let me just say what Rob said. I'll get to the good part first which is uh chuck's playing of course is really good as usual uh johnny johnson is amazing uh johnny johnson yeah i can't speak enough but but he's he's right up there in the mix uh with his piano playing out there uh what Rob, rob said the the i i like the songwriting uh there are only two songs that are kind of that are re-recordings of old songs. Uh, "Havana Moon," which is, <laughs> to be honest with you, terrible compared to the original, but that's just the one glitch. And then there's uh, "Wouldn't Me," which is a, a rewrite of "It Wasn't Me" from uh, the '60s, and that's actually, strangely enough, one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, me too. Uh, but you can you can definitely. When it, when it was when I found out that it wasn't me was actually rewritten with different lyrics, uh, it it made sense because it did sound like old Chuck Berry, like the 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 stuff. There there's I actually liked a lot. Uh, I actually like when when Chuck uh, does slow blues.
0: I need you, baby. I think was the third
1: song on the album. That's I think that's my favorite on the album. To be honest with that you, that
0: had just. It was, it was, it you knew it wasn't Ray Charles, but it had a Ray
1: Charles feel. It to did. It. it had a Ray Charles feel to it, exactly. And it had Ray Charles, like it Ray Charles on the piano, but this was like Chuck Berry on the guitar. So it almost could be the same if they had the same instrumentation, you know what I mean? But yeah. uh, this was like Ray Charles with guitar. And I loved it. I think he sings it magnificently. And I am a big fan of when Chuck Berry doesn't do it often. But when he does his slow blues, I just it just gets me. Everybody talks about, of course, all the big hits, which I love, all the big, fast Those hits. fast riffs. Ain't no particular place to go and all that, which we could talk about for an hour. But I'm also a big fan of, of when... And Havana Moon was like that, but unfortunately, in this recording, they got kind of weird. <laughs> he did. Um,
0: he went to this and uh, yeah, a character song. Exactly. That. He played the, uh,
1: the Cuban guy. And I also want to, yeah, he did. Uh, he did the Cuban yeah, accent. Yeah. And I also want to point out that he also did on his albums song poems. And he does one.
0: Yeah. That
1: I really love. This was awesome. <laughs> this was an awesome. I want to cover that. <laughs> called Pass Away. Really, his last song before he died because uh, his album wasn't, his last album wasn't released until after he died and uh so this was really his last song because it's the last song of the album and it's a ironically called pass away and it's a great fable and he did these songs once in a while he did that he actually did this song in rehearsals for the movie hail hail rock and roll which you haven't seen you should it's one of the best rock and roll movies ever and he did it with robbie robertson of the band and uh, i think you can actually see it on youtube if you get it and it's a spoken song and it's just powerful and it's yeah. great <laughs> it
0: reminded me uh at first i thought kind of like frank zappa without not doing sarcasm or uh, the right. uh, wild uh inflections but then i, I listened more and it, it, it always reminded me of eric burden uh, when he was uh recorded with war there uh spill the wine the talking parts mm-hmm. or donovan yes that's, yes. that's it, 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 it but but without being those guys, it was. Uh, yeah, it, that's it, the style. If you're wondering what we're talking <laughs> about, uh, it's, it's it, not something I was those, expecting from use
1: Chuck. Use those. Uh, what Rob said, because that's kind of what it is, and it's very it's very affecting, and it's funny how, you know, you don't think of Chuck first of all, is doing slow blues. No. And you don't think of him as doing song poems. I thought... But that, I mean, he does it excellently. I wasn't
0: looking. I thought the album had ended and this was like a new song. And I was like, uh, wait a second. This has nothing to do with blues. Who is this? He has a, a great
1: talking... Some people like myself, I have to admit, I don't have a... I've tried to talk on one or two of my songs, I, ah. and I I don't like them. Maybe maybe Rob and the other guys I do. I want to do it sometime. But I, I don't think, I just don't have that kind of voice which is very convincing. And some people don't. They're tr- very earnest in what they're doing. But it doesn't come across, but it sure comes across when Chuck does it. He has a voice that you're just, you just kind of, when he's talking, you're just listening. And you're you're totally and the into, lyrics
0: are so cool
1: <laughs> they're like and the lyrics are cool very cool lyrics to pass away yeah, very they, cool they, lyrics they, 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 i would have thought
0: this was like uh, 18th century 17th century or something because of the uh
1: now there, there are there is there are again i'll get to the good points i like the lyrics in most of these songs they're very well written for a guy who's already written like 500 songs <laughs> Or whatever, I don't and know his voice
0: or his choice of words or uh, the melody he chooses, but something uh, when he does a
1: story with a song, it's uh, it's something you want to listen to. It's you enjoy listening yeah. to it. Yeah, there, it's very much uh, not not striving too far uh, from you know what Chuck Berry music is, but still being maybe not at the top of your game, but. Compared to what he's been had released in the seventies, he'd kind of like regained that energy and you can tell that, uh, the songs were good. If not great, the songs were good and the lyrics were good. And the problem with this album, I didn't find to be the songs. I found a big problem in the production. Uh, when I hear Chuck Berry, especially when I hear Chuck Berry live. It's just rocking and it's, it's, it's rocking and a reeling, as he says, and it's, this is so dull it, it, and the problem, I'm not letting Chuck off the hook on this one by saying it's a production because he's the producer and Kenny Butchery is the drummer who, if you don't know Kenny Butchery, the late Kenny Butchery, he, uh, he's one of the Nashville cats, he played on, uh, uh, Neil Young's harvest and time fades away album. And Harvest Moon, and he played on Dylan's Nashville Skyline and John Wesley Harding albums. He's one of the best session drummers ever. He sounds like he's playing on tin cans, (laughs) and it's way in the back. Not only is he playing on tin cans, but he's playing on tin cans in the other room. (laughs) And the bass, I didn't even hear bass on this record. It's basically uh, Chuck's guitar and his, and Johnny Johnson's piano. And only place I it. heard
0: bass was uh, the and last song, Pass Away. Oh,
1: did you? Yeah, well, Boom. on that, yeah. Boom. Yeah, you're Boom. right about that. Yeah, but that that's an every... exception to the rule because the song is an exception to the rule, yeah. rule on the album. And I, I was very you, disappointed no, because there is a very tin can kind of um, almost demo feel to it. Like it's recorded to a click track. Very sterile feel to some of these songs. When I know... T- I've heard Chuck Berry many times live... And if you hear his records in the 50s and 60s, and they're just rocking and rolling. And this just sounds so dull. This just sounds this just sounds so sterile and, and actually keeping that rock from rolling. You know what I mean? It just, every time I listen to it, I'm saying, oh, these songs are good. Why can't, let them loose. Let them loose. This is terrible production. This sounds so canned. And it really dimmed the album for me. And it really dimmed my uh, appreciation for it because I could just feel what these songs were like See, if they were that loose.
0: the perspective you have. I don't have a reference for comparison of that nature. And this uh, surprised me. I, I was expecting less. And uh, I was like, holy mackerel.
1: Jeez, uh, this is good. <laughs> yeah, but you have, a, you have to have a perspective on what the sound is like.
0: Yeah, the sound didn't strike me as... Uh, I heard uh, guitar and piano as the dominant instruments, uh,
1: and they should be. But I'm saying that there there should be like like drums like going, yeah. and there should be like bass going, because those are the only other two yes. instruments I'm actually talking about. Because those are the only other two instruments. But it's so dominated. By, a good by producer, the a good
0: mixer yes. gets a something. That's all I'm
1: saying. That's all I'm saying. I is mean, that a producer and a mixer would have would have put that stuff up, gotten a good drum sound. The drums sound terrible. And you know how I feel about the drums. I feel that there's 75% of a recording. I've done
0: recordings where the bass gets turned down to the point where you can't hear it. And it's like, well, why did you guys have
1: me here? You didn't hear Yeah, know. that's how I felt <laughs> about this. I didn't even know until the last song that there even was bass on any of these songs and i just felt to me like it just made the songs unlively and it shouldn't be because the songs are ready to kick and they're they don't kick to me it seems like a missed opportunity it seems like he wrote he finally All wrote the notes some good and songs.
0: words are in the right place but yes, the energy the luster is exactly being what i'm
1: trying to say he finally wrote some good songs for a whole album That was he had had so many patchy albums in the seventies. Finally, wrote a a really good album. Had a really good cover for it. Uh, Good title, pretty good. (laughs) Great, great cover. Great title for it, which is Rocket with an I. I just thought everything's in place, and I think, and I think he just fucked it up by producing it himself. I really do, because it was just like, and I'm still mad. I'm mad about it. To be honest with you. Rob, I'm mad about it because this could have been a this could have been a, a changing album for exactly, exactly him instead I was of an album to and then,
0: thinking if I were doing a movie I could use some of this but it's not quite uh it's close it's not close right
1: that's what bugs me though that's what gets me mad this could have been this could have been the start of of a but yeah. again be because like, of that any, it mm. didn't have any hit singles and it didn't it didn't do anything in the charts and I think it I think that with the cover that it had it was ready for all that but when the, the programmers the radio programmers heard it they said no this doesn't this is good this is a good song but this doesn't sound yeah you know, it sounds like a demo it sounds like a demo because it sounds like you're playing on a on a, uh, just keeping time with like a, uh, a, a, a click track or even just a tin can. The, the, <laughs> and it takes the liveness away from, and if I'm belaboring the point, it's because that's how much it meant to me because it diminished this album a whole lot to me. It almost took away from everything good that Chuck Berry did with this album. I love Chuck.
0: I wasn't <laughs> because I had nothing else to compare it to on the... But I liked the songs enough that uh, they distracted me from uh,
1: Okay, that's recording fair. quality. Oh, no, that's, that's fair. fair. I, was, I was surprised. Yeah. You know what? There are a lot of people, a lot of big critics who feel the same way you did. Ooh, what was that? Well, <laughs> just your computer saying, I'm going to do something and you can't do anything about it. Sorry about that. Uh, something, A pop-up just came up and I didn't uh, want it to come up. We could edit that out, but I won't. Um yeah, a lot of big critics actually agree with you. Uh, a lot of big critics. All Music pointed that out, though. All Music said that this album is diminished and could have been great except for the the cheesy production. And they pointed out exactly what I was thinking. Not that I'm patting myself on the back. Because a lot of critics, like Robert Christgau thought it was the bee's knees and totally ignored the production and just said, this is a great album. So depends on the listener, I guess. I give it three stars. I uh, give it three and a half. There you go. Uh, I think my half right right there alone just goes on half of the production. <laughs> I think with good songs, this might have even been a four-star record for me, but the production was just just diminished it a whole star for me. So I give it three. Three right. and a half is really good. Three and a half is a very good the album. The lyrics
0: really, uh, I mean, the music I found was fine. The, the lyrics really grabbed me, and the, that final song there, that I'm going to be listening to that again.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, passing pass away is just a, it's just a great song. it Starts up just, just really quickly. What a great song! Move it as a as
0: move it. There's a guitar part in there. It sounds like a horn. A car yeah, horn. yeah, yeah. I heard that too. <laughs> just I great. Guess really imaginative. What just I'm...
1: great stuff. Who a guy who really doesn't want to write songs anymore? Like he just doesn't feel like it. Yeah, Can still his... write like can still write like it's it's so automatic to him that he can still. Do all that That's and write a, such good songs? Heck of a B game. <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking at the titles and I'm going. I'm actually not disliking. Like, oh, what a thrill! That's great. I love the slow blues of "I Need You, Baby." If I were house lights, if I were, I really liked. Uh, oh, it had it five different 50s. verses.
0: Five different verses, but all really well written and. Uh, the same smart. thing from a different point of view.
1: Very smart song. Yeah. I was going down here. Uh, the only thing I really didn't like was the re-recording of, of Hannah Moon. But they're all likable. Like they're yeah. all they. You would never like take something off and say, "Well, he really wrote that song badly." I don't think <laughs> anybody would say that. Uh, it's just that he's a little bit, you know, just a little bit past his prime, of course. And uh, for me, the 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 production is there. But you know what? Three and a half from you uh, is very good. Three and a half is a very good. Three is good. I give it three stars. Is good. It's a good album. I think it was a better album than the production gave it. But three and a half, I think, would probably be what it, could, it is a very good album, and that's better than any of his other albums got in the seventies.
0: It's got good songs on it. It's yes, good I just wish it would have done more. Some of the other elements are missing.
1: Yeah, I know. You know, I know that Chuck takes a beating for some of his faults in life. But I love Chuck because, again, what we're doing right here is because of Chuck. We're Berry. doing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and we can say that for the next couple of weeks, basically, uh, with the artists we will be doing. Uh, I just love '50s music and uh, the bravery of these people to do to do something that only a small segment at the time liked, which became big eventually. But to risk everything to play the music that you feel should be heard when it's never even been played before Mm -hmm. it hasn't even been you're inventing it all these guys were playing invented this music that were that they started and they got a lot of hostility for it no matter how what color they were or whatever and the bravery of that is just fantastic and we're only doing three of them i could like i said at the beginning of the show we could do i could do 10 of them right off the bat uh, and we will get to other ones, uh, later on that had albums in the seventies, buddy Holly, unfortunately we will not be doing these <laughs> albums in the seventies. Uh, so that's our show for today. We ran over time. I, I, we ran over time and I didn't even get to one of my segments cause we got really, <laughs> we, really waylaid uh, by the Eric Clapton uh, You thing. got
0: it every now and then. You gotta, you gotta uh, let it out.
1: the one show that we came in under in the last like year that we actually came in under time (laughs) got erased so there you go (laughs) we were summing up at 52 minutes of crap
0: (laughs) you lousy piece of non-technology
1: so tune in uh next week when we will have another 50s artist and their 70s album and until then we wish you the best take care and stay safe Just later on